149 years old, okay? So now I'll have to modify that. Now I'm 49.95 plus shipping and handling. <laughs> Emphasis on the shipping and handling part. Yeah, it is a treat to be here. I was, I was telling Pastor Rob, um, just yesterday we were talking, I was saying, I can hardly believe that I've known you as long as I have, and on Facebook I've watched as kids grow up, and I'm just going, wow, we've known each other a long time. Uh, honestly, um, very shortly, September 5th, I turned 70. And I'm thinking, really? Already? It's supposed to take longer to get there, okay? It's gotten here very quickly, all right? But it's a, it is. It's a pleasure to be up here. It's a treat to be back up here in the mountains. I used to come up a great deal, um, 4th of July, Old Miners Day, and uh, doing outreach um, in the area. And that's how one, one of the ways we first got to know each other. And it was... Uh, it's been a really a lot of great memories. Before I get started on this, I got a commercial announcement. We have a table out here. We have a few things on that table. We don't go around hawking wares, okay? So the things that are on that table, we consider important. Uh, there's four CDs out there. There are messages, two by myself, two by my wife. Um, I'll give you hers. One is to keep, how to keep your passion alive. It's very easy for saints to lose their passion. Uh, with God and the Lord really impressed on her this message because the church needed it to stay uh, fired up. That's the red one out there. She also has another one, um, defeating the terrorists. We're not talking about Al-Qaeda Al here. We're talking about the terrorists of your soul. And that's another powerful message. Then I have two out there. One is Jesus has weird relatives. Any of you got some weird relatives? <laughs> Jesus had a few too, but I'm telling you, that is one of the most powerful messages the Lord ever gave me on your past does not determine your future. And uh, it was so impactful, even to myself, that I preached it someplace, recorded it, and put it out there. And then the last one is, is uh, the ABCs of evangelism. Uh, we have a school of evangelism that we've run. This year was the 24th year. We've trained well over 6,000 people, cross-denominationally, and from all 50 states. What's on those two one-hour CDs is basically uh, actually even more than what I teach in that class. So if you ever wanted to know how to do it effectively, that's on those discs. Now those four discs, there's no price set on those. You ask the Lord, whatever he tells you, that's the price that you pay, okay? If you can't afford it to give anything, we'll give you the discs, all right? We consider that important. Also out there is, is a book, good thing my wife's not here this morning because she says, you'll never be my publicist. It's called The Walk of Faith on the Walk of Fame. Um, this coming year, yes, it's our 40th year in Hollywood, and uh, we primarily work with children and, and teens, anywhere from 200 to 400 kids a week. That's why I have no hair. And, uh, <laughs> and so many of these stories are the hardest cases that we've ever seen in Hollywood and how God has brought them to faith. It's just amazing stories. you got people, family members, friends that you've been praying for for years um, that still aren't saved, that's a book worth reading, worth reading because it will re-inspire you to press in uh, for their salvation. Um, stories of, very quickly, one lady who was healed of AIDS. And, uh, and I'm not kidding. Uh, she was healed of AIDS. And as a matter of fact, I performed a wedding ceremony for her daughter, got married, so that we had a long relationship with them. Doctors told her, go home, get a, somebody to take care of your kids, buy a burial plot. Um, death is imminent. And she cried out to the Lord, the Lord healed her. And it was very, another guy who was in Crips. You ever hear of the Crips and the Bloods? We call him our poster child. His name's Laquantus, but we just call him Q, because Q stands for quality. And uh, 
he and his girlfriend came in, got saved. Long story short, he ended up meeting his wife through the Oasis. Today, he's a graduate of Christ for the Nation's Bible uh, Institute. He's also a graduate of Southwestern University and has, is working on his master's degree, okay? And from, from gangs to college. So on and on and on. And the best part is it's a, a lot of short stories. I call it good bathroom reading, one story per trip, okay? <laughs> Then the other thing that's out there, there is a place you can sign up if you'd like to get our newsletter, but I'll tell you what's easier and even more effective is that um, you can download our app. We have an app. You just go to the App Store uh, or Google Apps, and, and it's just Oasis of Hollywood. It's free. Our newsletters are posted on there. As a matter of fact, messages that we consider important are put on there in the form of podcasts, so you can listen to them. There's no charge for it. And But I'll tell you what we do need. When you came in, hopefully they gave you, I see somebody has a newsletter. That's just... That's not just a newsletter, it's one of our recent newsletters. The reason we give those out is to ask you to pray for us, because we are not a church like you. We don't have an adult congregation to tap into. And I'm telling you, the kids that we're working with, they need help. And I'm serious. Uh, this past week, we had a young lady. Um, she cut her wrists, and then she tried cutting her throat. She's in the hospital, and she needs prayer. So if you want to hold somebody up in prayer, hold these kids up. You have no idea what they go through. And there's some serious, serious situations. And so don't pray for us. Pray for them. So that little, the reason we give you that newsletter, tuck it in your Bible. When you have your quiet time, I'm not asking for three hours of prayer. I'm just asking you for one minute and praying for these kids. Okay? Whew, moving on. All right. Um, then we, uh, I'm going to apologize for this up front. We did a new documentary. And it's all done. I've seen the pieces, all the pieces of it, and it looks really good. I was hoping to have it for this weekend. We don't. So what we're going to show is our old one. It's from our 35th anniversary. And so bear with us. At least it'll give you a, a quickie oversight on um, uh, our ministry. And the young man that you're going to see in here, Minor, uh, he got saved in our children's program when he was eight years old. Um, this past February, I performed the wedding between he and our children's director, who are now husband and wife, and they are set to take our place one day. All right, so we're going to show you that very, very quickly, and then I'll come up with today's message. All right. On, onward and upward, this morning my message is called Your Story Matters, and the reason your story, you all have stories. If you've been a Christian any length of time, you have stories. You have wonderful stories of what God's done in your life. And those stories really do matter to other people. You don't think they do. Oh, it's just me. Oh, I'm nobody. I'm this or that. I'm telling you, your story is powerful, and it can make a difference in, somebody's else, in somebody else's life. For you to even understand that, I have to begin with a story. Back in 1980, there was a young contractor. As a matter of fact, he was uh, right here in Redlands. And uh, he had started a construction company and was doing pretty good. And he didn't want to squander all his profits on adult toys, so he wanted to, some of that money to work for him, so he was looking to invest it. But he didn't know how to invest, so he went and found a book on investing and started to read it. And, you know, anything that's on your mind, you, you end up talking about it to, with friends. And the more he read, the more fired up he got. So he was finishing up a room edition for a doctor and his wife, and the wallpaper hanger was in there doing, applying his skills, his trade to the project. And he was talking, and he was giving some of the concepts that he had read in the book. 
And you know, you take 10% of your profit, you don't ever, ever spend it, but you only invest it. You put it in mutual funds and this and that and going through a brief description of where it can be put. And whatever interest that generates, you reinvest that and get it multiplying while you still add on top of it. And apparently he talked a little too long. And the paper hanger turned around and he goes, look, man, I'm a Christian. I give 10% to God. Currently, my bills exceed my income, yet all my bills are paid, and I can't explain it. The reason I even know that story, I was that contractor. I can't tell you what I had for lunch two days ago, but I can tell you what this guy said to me 38 years ago. And I remember just standing there staring at him. Not only do I remember what he said to me, I remember what I thought in response. I thought, he's a husband and a father. Honestly, what did that have to do with it? But that's how the thoughts came. He's a husband and a father and a businessman. He knows what his bills are. He knows what his income is. What are you going to do? Call him a liar? And I remember just standing there staring at him. I had no response. But what I didn't realize, that I was on a journey to a crisis in my life. He inter interjected this at this point prior to my my crisis. I don't even remember how many months later it was, but it was some months later that I hit this crisis in my life. And I remember, and this guy's name was Chuck Argon. As a matter of fact, uh, when I told him I was putting this message together, I called him. He's in Idaho someplace now. We had, listen, we had nothing in common, okay? Uh, well, I'll get to that. I'll come back to that in just a second. But um, Proverbs 8, 1 and 2 says this, wisdom and understanding are where the paths meet, or I call it in the fork of the road. So who is wisdom and understanding? The Holy Spirit. And he says, look, you go down this path, this is what's down this one. But if you go down this one, this is what you can expect, okay? And, um, and so in, at this moment of crisis in my life, I flash back on what he said to me. It wasn't a story about salvation. It wasn't a miracle provision of that way. It was a financial provision. But I'm telling you, I needed a miracle in my life. And I, all I could remember was this guy's story, all right? And, uh, and I gave my life to the Lord. And now here I am all these years later telling you this story. Now Chuck's story is part of my story. I can't tell my story without telling his story. Now he also, listen to this, became my first Christian friend. We had nothing in common except Jesus. He was married and had five kids, and I was single, okay? So seriously, we had nothing other in common but Jesus. And actually, he even directed me to the first church that I went to. And um, so he had an integral part of my story. So you see, even in this case, his story is now part of my story. To anybody else, it would not seem like a significant story. But to somebody who didn't know Jesus, it was everything, all right? Now listen to me. What he said to me, I timed it. It took 11 seconds for what he said to me. 11 seconds. See, we as Christians think that every time you talk to somebody, it's got to be a 3.40 minute message. It is not. Something that short, that small, that sweet can make the difference in somebody else's life. Okay? Proverbs 4.11 says this. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. See, the Lord knew that there was a crisis coming. Uh, Chuck didn't know it. I didn't know it, but God knew it. So he had this guy say the right thing at the right time that when I hit this crisis in my life, I made the right choice. I didn't make a wrong choice because that miracle in his life said there is a God and he is able to provide your need. And I had a need and he was there to do it. Now, be honest with me here. How many of you know that you know that you know 
that God has answered more than one prayer for you, raise your hands. All right, leave your hands up for a second. Look around the room. If you don't have a hand up, you're either too lazy to raise your hand or you've never asked anything from God. You can put your hands down. We all have stories. Listen to me. And I'm willing to bet that the stories that you're flashing through your mind of what he's done for you, not one of them included your salvation, which is one more story on top of that. We all have these great stories of God's provision in how many different ways? Relationships, finances, healings, uh, physical healings in our lives, our, for our kids, uh, on and on and on, jobs, promotions, houses. I mean, a, a parking spot on a rainy day close to the store. I don't know. But what I'm just saying is you've asked God for a lot of things, and God has come through with those. Those are the stories that will change people's lives. Now, here's why you don't think that they mean anything. Well, they're me. I'm just nobody. No, that's not true. Take the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you were to take the direct teachings of Jesus out of those four books, what are you left with? Stories. Stories of God's word in action in somebody's lives. And listen to me, those are the stories that we're clinging to every time we need something. We go to Scripture and we find a similar story. Lord, I, I claim this story that you'll do, you did this for them, and you say you're not a respecter of persons. You did it for them, you'll do it for me, and I ask you to do that, right? Now listen to me. Your story is God's word in action in your life, and it has the same horsepower as those stories you're going to find in those books. Who are those people in those four books? Are they famous people? No. They're not even written about anywhere else in Scripture except that story. Somebody who had a need that God fulfilled it. And now we cling to that, and that story is anointed for somebody's benefit. Your story is anointed for somebody's benefit, and it can and will change somebody's life. Uh, I need to read this verse to you. You don't have to go to your Bibles. Just listen to me. It's in 1 Corinthians. Uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And it's verses 3 and 4. It's actually half of 3, but I'll read all of 3 so you'll see how it fits. He said, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Now listen to this. Who comforts us in all our tribulation, all our tribulation, all the problems that we're facing, right? In all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. In other words, what he's done for you, you need to tell somebody else that they can find the comfort that they need from God in your story. Your story matters to somebody who's in a situation and they need that to help them get over the top. All right? Now, even to tell you that, I need to tell you another story. All right? I'm not digging out my phone because I'm going to answer it. There's a reason for it. Just bear with me here, all right? Now, I'm going to tell you a story about a neighbor of mine, all right? Now, first is this neighbor actually recently sold their house and moved away, and, um, and we had a casual relationship. The reason we only had a casual relationship, because our, trust me, our lifestyles were 180 degrees out, and I'm being polite, all right? So we didn't have a lot in common, except I um, officiated at his daughter's wedding, and so we had relationship one, he's my neighbor, two, I officiated at his daughter's wedding, so we had some things in common. So every few months, we would meet out in the middle of the street and catch up on everybody's lives, okay? That wasn't dangerous because I live on a cul-de-sac. So uh, every so often, we just meet in the middle of the street and chit-chat for five, ten minutes, then go about our way. One day, I'm coming home from work. I just start getting out of the car. He comes out of the garage and he goes, run! Hey, how are you? And I'll just call him John, change the name to protect the guilty. And, um, 
And I went, hey, John, how you doing? And he starts jogging across the street. And I went, oh, I guess he wants to talk. I didn't even make it to the middle of the street. I barely made it to the curb. He was already there. And he didn't even say hello. All he did was immediately went into this rendition that he had been to the doctor today and the prognosis wasn't good. So I'm listening to him as he's rambling and telling this story about going to the doctor. Lord, what would you like me to say to him? And um, I said, John, I can understand how this situation and this prognosis would be very troubling and stressful to you. I need to tell you a story. It's important to you to hear this. I said, once upon a time, I said, I had what I thought was tendonitis in my left shoulder. I ended up going to the doctor. They did an MRI, and it turned out it was a torn rotator cuff. So the doctor didn't even hesitate, but he scheduled me for surgery for a month later because that's how they fix it. Cut, it, cut you open, sew it up. And, and then he also told me that my rehabilitation would be eight to 10 months, and there's no guarantee that I would have use of that shoulder as before the injury. I was also being treated for a locked shoulder of the same, uh, unrelated to that, but where my arm wouldn't go past nine o'clock. Now, this didn't hurt, but reaching back to get my wallet was excruciatingly painful which actually could be a good thing, all right? Can't spend money. So at any rate, and so the physical therapist is telling me whether or not you have the surgery, if you don't get this shoulder loose, we'll have to do it. I looked at her and I said, what does that mean? She says, well, basically, we knock you out and then we get it loose. All right, and I said, I'm thinking, I don't want to do this. So I went off and had a discussion with God. So the following week, we were having a board meeting, and I asked just three of my board members to pray over me. And one was a pastor who had a reputation of God using him to bring healings to people. So he, they gathered around me, just three of them, not even the whole board, and prayed over me for about a minute. And then he stood back and he said, so what couldn't you do before? I instantly thought, okay, that's the locked shoulder. So I said, here it goes, and it went straight up to 12 o'clock. I said, look, John, I knew right then that God had healed me. He had performed a miracle in me. But you may not believe this, John, but God loves you as much as he loves me. If he did this for me, he could do it for you. Will you let me pray for you? And he said, yes. This is why I had my phone. I just told you that story. It took a minute and 44 seconds to tell you that story. There's a lot more to that story, okay? But I didn't, didn't need to give everything. I just gave the highlights. I needed to give this guy hope that there is a God who can bring a healing to his need. He let me pray for him, which by the way, he went back to the doctor. Doctor said, I think we made a mistake because we can't find anything wrong with you. So he felt, oh, I'm not sick. He went back to drugs and alcohol. What a foolish man, okay? A minute and 44 seconds. That's all it takes to, to ch possibly change somebody's life. I believe God healed this man. And all he could think of is drugs and alcohol. That was more important to him than, um, than a relationship with God. Now listen, the ask at the end. You may not believe this, but God loves you as much as he loves me. If he did this for me, he could do it for you. That takes nine seconds. Nine seconds, folks. All right? But this concept that I'm presenting to you my wife and I refer to this as the 211 technique. 211. It's just a simple way to remember the points, okay? Two minute testimony. It doesn't have to be three hours, it doesn't need to be 20 minutes. All it needs to be is two minutes or less. Why two minutes? Is that crucial? No, it's just that we're 
conditioned by television especially. Everything has to be quick. Bam, bam. Scenes. Watch television. Scenes change every three to four seconds. The reason why? They need to hold your attention to the next paid commercial. They pay for the programming. They make their money off commercials. They need to hold your attention to the next paid commercial spot because that's where they're making their bucks. So it's this, 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 this. Commercials are very fast. Pack in a lot because it, commercials are expensive. So they've conditioned us to short bites of everything. We can't, we don't have the patience for long stories. So you can't tell a long story. If you do, you're going to lose them. So you whittle it down. Take your best stories. Actually, rehearse it in your own mind. And even use your wristwatch or your, your phone and time it. Get it down to two minutes or less. It doesn't have to be two minutes, but that's the goal you want. Two minutes or less, all right? And, and include on the highlights. Now, when I told you the story or told John this story about my shoulder, could you see the doctor talking to me? Could you see the therapist talking about my shoulder? You'd see my neighbor running across the street. I'll bet you... Pastor Rob, you can't give me the foundation verse for last week's message. Chapter and verse of what he based the message on. Anybody give it to me? No, why? You can't remember it. But I'll tell you what, if he told a story, I bet you you can remember the story. Because stories, we're visual people. Stories paint pictures in our mind. You can't forget the story even if you forget chapter and verse. So a couple of you did call it out. You didn't raise your hand though, so I didn't think you got it. All right. Ephesians 4, very good. So you are paying attention. They are paying attention. They're paying attention. Very cool, all right? So we're visual people. That's why storytelling. Listen, and even if you take, I don't care where you go in Scripture, the majority of Scripture is based on storytelling. Stories are examples of his principles in action. Old Testament, New Testament, chock full of stories. That's why I like telling stories, because I can take the principles, God's principles, and bring it down to something you see and understand and go, I can do that. Yeah, you can do that. So um, two-minute testimony, um, one minute of prayer. Why one minute? You don't, again, same thing. God can answer it. He knows their need before you can pray it. But here's when it comes, when you get to pray for somebody, you need to be very specific in prayer. No general prayers. Oh, God, bless this person that their need would be met. Okay, that's fine. But if what if you get very specific concerning that, and then it happens, they're going to know this was not a coincidence. This wasn't coincidental. God answered that person's prayer very specific, and then one person at a time. Why that? Because what if they're an unsaved person, and this is at work, and you're going to pray in front of other people? Trust me, they're going to get very intimidated. They're going to be very nervous about this, and they'll probably say, no, thank you, all right, because they're too intimidated. So you bet it's best to pull them aside and talk to them personally, privately, and then when you make that offer to prayer, to pray for them, and there's nobody else around, they're most apt to say yes versus, no, I'd rather suffer in my situation, okay? Honestly, they would do that because they're more concerned about being uncomfortable in front of somebody else um, than doing that. So, 2-1-1. So, I guess what I'm doing, I'm giving you the 4-1-1 on the 2-1-1 in case somebody has a 9-1-1, okay? So, I'm going to give you a practical application of what this could look like. Now, here's the other thing about this 2-1-1 technique. You're not walking the streets looking for a stranger to tell a story to. These are going to be people you're already associated with. 
where you work, where you live, where you play, where it's your kid's soccer game or your grandkid's soccer game or the neighbor over the back fence or one of those crabby relatives of yours, okay, that need to hear about Jesus or whatever. You're surrounded by people, including right here in this congregation. Yeah, right here in this congregation. How many of you in your walk with Christ have ever had a situation that you were so overwhelmed by that at least temporarily you lost sight of God? Anybody ever had it? Look and see the hands go up. This is why your story even matters right here in this congregation. Because there's times that people are going through stuff, and maybe it's a, a, a cancer scare, all right? And you have a healing story. You need to tell them that story. Because that could be the faith builder they need to push through and get their victory as well, all right? So um, here's an example. So let, you're at work, all right? And it's lunchtime. Everybody goes to the lunchroom. I don't know where you work, but most places have a place where the employees can sit down and have and eat their lunch. So when you're at lunch, you ever notice that people talk about their problems? Why? Are they just looking for sympathy or empathy? Or is it possible they're looking for somebody who's got a cure to their problem? I don't know what to do. If I did, I would be doing it. And so now they're frustrated, they're lost, they don't know what to do. So they're kind of putting it out there gently in hopes that somebody's got an answer to their problem. So one of the guys, he's out there and he says, man, if I don't have $250 by next Friday, they're going to repo my car. Well, you, you got this great story of God's provision in your life, like, like Chuck's story for me, okay? So you, it gets toward the end of lunch, you pull him aside. Listen, I heard what you said about uh, needing 250 and now you take your story. You tell them your story. Maybe it takes a minute. Sweet. And look, man, now I'm going to repeat it because I want to drill this into your head. Look, man, you may not believe this, but God loves you as much as he loves me. If he did this for me, he could do it for you. Will you let me pray for you? Nah, I'd rather they repo my car. Not going to happen. Trust me. All right? So, okay, so how much is it you need? Two fifty. All right, let's believe God for $275. 275. Why 275? I only need 250. Yeah, I'm including the tithe. <laughs> Here's the reason. I'm going to be a little specific. Trust me, if God can afford the 250, he can afford the 275. But the 275 is different than exactly what he needs. And if that 275 comes in, who's the first person he's going to go tell? You. Because you prayed for him. <gasps> I got two, $275 as a rebate on, it was an income tax return. It was, I don't know what it would be, a rebate, rebate on, I don't know, whatever. It could come from, it could be birthday. I got a birthday present from an aunt. She sent me $275. Oh my gosh, you know. But I tell you what, it's going to get their attention because you were specific. You weren't general, but you got very specific on what they needed and how it should come. Okay, and now when it comes, you're the first person they're going to come to, and now you get very nonchalant. See, I told you he was real. Maybe you ought to come to church with me and see what else he can do. Whoa. See? See how simple that is? What are they going to say? Uh, yeah. Because clearly there is a God because he answered that prayer. See what I'm saying? All of a sudden the door is wide open. Who knows how God will use this thing? It's that simple, folks. This isn't rocket science. And listen to me. These aren't stories you need to memorize. You live them. Now, I want to bring this to your attention. Uh, remember when Jesus was in the temple and it said the scribes of the, 
the scribes. We referred to the scribes. Well, the scribes were like the PhD of the day, okay? And the scribes were quoted as saying, how does this man speak with such authority? Let me tell you the authority that Jesus spoke in. He didn't believe a single thing that he said. He knew it to be true. And there's something in voice inflection and the way you present it when you know something's the truth versus what you believe. Okay, you're walking down the street, you hear, bam, and you turn and you look. So the cops come and, and they walk over and you're standing there and it's, I, I was here for that accident, oh yeah? So the cop comes over and he said, so what did you see? Well, I heard the screech of tires and bam, and I turned and looked, oh, well, thank you, sir. And he walks away, but officer, you know, you didn't see the accident, you only saw the aftermath. So then he goes to the two drivers. So what happened? He says, I don't know. I was just going down the street, and this guy pulls out in front of me, and bam, I hit him. Okay. Okay, sir. And then he goes to the other driver. So what happened? And he says, I was sitting at a red light. The, red, the light turned green. I started, and this guy, had, he ran the red light, ran into me. And he's very matter-of-fact about it. And then the car behind him, the driver says the same thing. Yeah, it was a red light. This guy ran. See, and the guy who knew what the situation was. I don't know. I was driving on a street and he pulled out in front of me. I don't know. Versus, no, I was sitting at a red light. And I actually was looking down at something. I looked up. The light was already green. For I'm thinking a couple seconds. And I take off and boom, he ran the light and hit me. There's something in the voice inflection. When you know something's the truth, you speak it differently. People pick up on that. So you don't have to memorize your story. You live that story. So when you're telling the story, there's something that you're not even aware of in your voice inflection and the way you present it that they know that it's the truth. I'm a Christian. I give 10% to God. My bills exceed my income, yet all my bills are paid and I can't explain it. Something in the way he said that. What are you going to do? Call the guy a liar? There's something in, in the way he presented it to me. I knew it was the truth. You see what I'm saying? And the same thing with your story. When you share those stories, things will come out and the way you explain it. And then you think, well, I know what I'm like behind closed doors. God isn't going to answer my prayer. Let me put that one to rest right now. The story in Matthew 8, 5 through 13, it's about the centurion coming to Jesus for a healing for his servant. Now, I need to put some flesh and blood on this story to him so it makes better sense to you, okay? First is a centurion. He's a Roman soldier. Centurion is where we get the word century. He was in charge of, obviously, uh, at least 100 men. Now, Israel's been conquered by the Roman army. Once they've been conquered and they suppressed everything, now the majority of the army leaves, and all you have is an occupational force left behind. So they're a very small force to watch over a great number of people. And so crucifixions, trust me, Jesus wasn't the first nor the last that was crucified, which was the most torturous way to execute anybody was crucifixion. So that was to put the fear of death in everybody so they would obey this handful of people left behind. And since he was an officer, that means he was probably in charge over many of those uh, crucifixions. All right. Now it said that he had servants. Servants. I seriously doubt that he brought his servants all the way from Italy to take care of his household, okay? Do his laundry, cook his meals. He, let's say, recruited locals for that job, all right? Enslaved them, probably. But he became very fond of at least one of these servants and who was deathly ill. But he heard the stories about this holy man in Israel who has been performing miracles. And he went and found this guy and said, look, man, would you heal my servant? And Jesus says, fine, take me to him. And he knew he was an unrighteous, unholy man. He says, dude, no, I'm not worthy you should come in my house. 
you just say the word, I know it'll get done. And Jesus is blown away by this guy's faith. Listen, guys, listen to this. He was a heathen from Rome, a soldier who conquered and murdered and crucified people. And Jesus answered his prayer. You're a born again child of the living God. Why would he answer the Romans prayer, not answer yours? And your prayer is an unselfish, not unselfish prayer on behalf of somebody around you whose need needs to be met. Why would God not answer your prayer for that person? You need to believe God. He said if, and, and second is, and I need you to agree with me in this prayer. Because scripture says, now you can bring a little scripture. The scripture says where two or more agree is touching anything, it will be done for them. You agree with me? Oh yeah. Now you got two. Now you just added a little more to it. Romans 2, 4 says the goodness of God will lead us to repentance. Listen, if he'll lead us to repentance, it'll lead them to repentance as well if they're unsaved. Um, and what if, what if it is a, a medical thing, like cancer? Dude, everybody's had cancer, it seems. And it's, it's rampant around the world. Well, you've never had a cancer story. So how do you t tell somebody? Well, I can use mine, which, by the way, it's August. Um, my healing took place 15 years ago. If I was a seagull today, I'd be flying semicircles because one wing is stronger than the other. I should have had him do both shoulders. Oh, my gosh, this one's a crank, okay? So, uh, yeah. So what, what do you do if, you got, if you're dealing with somebody um, who has a cancer story? Use somebody else's story. Judy's had cancer twice. Second time, it was in her lymph nodes, which is like the highway to the body. You get it in your lymph nodes, very, 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 very dangerous, okay? And within the hour of the doctor's office calling, the Lord gave, spoke to me and gave me direction of what to do. We did what he said to do. Um, I had the doctors check. The lump was still there. Go ahead, take it. They took the affected lymph nodes and the ones surrounding it. They wanted to do interferon, which is experimental at that time. She said no. Uh, she's been healed more than 25 years. We just figured it out the other day, okay? So I use her story, but that's 25 years ago. It's sweet what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. People need to know that God does those things today. That's the other reason our stories are so powerful, because they're today. What did Jesus do today? What did he do yesterday, last week, last month, last year? We have a friend in Thousand Oaks. He had tumors in one of his lungs that were inoperable, and they were suffocating him. He was literally suffocating, and the doctor said, there's nothing we can do. He's got maybe three weeks to live. Call the family. We all looked at each other and said, we don't think so. His wife had him moved at Cedar sinai Other doctors started treating him. He did whatever the doctor said. I'm going to make a long story very short. He ended up at MD Anderson in Houston, where two secular doctors declared him a miracle. Now, he did all the treatments, okay? This, that, the other thing, the chemo, whatever they ordered, they said was right. He did it. But I'm telling you, he still has fingerprints all over him because of his other friends, my wife and I. Every time we saw him, we laid hands on him and prayed over him. And two de doctors declared him a miracle. One guy walks in and he says, I have never seen anybody make the reversal with this kind of cancer like you have made. You, sir, are a miracle. A secular doctor claiming a miracle? Hello. There's a testimony, and nobody even had to witness to him. See what I'm saying? powerful stuff, okay? So these are the things that are available to us, okay? And I'm going to close this with one more story. And I said in your Bible studies, um, I don't do my oil changes on my car according to the manufacturer's specs. I have my own reasons, and 
I won't go into that. So I keep a little notebook in the console of my car and where I keep track of when my oil changes are due. And one Sunday night, uh, Monday, Preacher's Day off, we were going to run several errands and then go see the grandkids. And, uh, but I reached in the council, had no forethought about this. All of a sudden, I just reach in and I pull out the book and check it. And I looked at the mile and which, oh my gosh, we're overdue for an oil change. So I'll tell you what, babe, I'll go as soon as the place opens tomorrow morning, get the oil change, and then we'll run our errands. And she's okay. So uh, it's Monday morning. This is the morning after the Las Vegas massacre. Okay. And so I had some little paperwork I needed to finish up. So I took it with me and I did it in the waiting room. So I'm finished, you know, I finish this paperwork and I get up out of the waiting room. I come outside and I'm checking on my car to see where they're at. And I'm looking in the stall and it puts me within about four feet of this guy standing there on, a, on his cell phone. And I cannot help but hear, overhear his conversation. He had two cousins who were at that concert the, the night before. Nobody can get him on the phone. None of the, none of the family have been able to get either of them on the phone and they have no idea what's going on. And I couldn't help but I look at him and I look back at my car and I look again. He knows I'm listening to his conversation. I can't help it. He's standing four feet away from me. And I hear it. And I'm thinking, man, I got to say something. All right. So I could tell he was wrapping up his conversation. And he hangs up the phone. And I look at him and I said, I said, I can't think of a time that people need to know Jesus. I said, you're not safe anywhere. You're not safe at the mall. I said, you're not safe in a movie theater. You're not safe in church. As a matter of fact, I know churches where ushers are packing. I'm not kidding, because you don't know where you're safe. You're not even safe in your home with home invasion robberies and stuff. And I said, you better know who Jesus is. And I turned and started walking away. And I was, yeah, and I've drifted away from God. And I looked back at him and I went, why? And I could tell you didn't want to tell me. And I said, look, man, I can't think of a safer situation than this. I don't know you. You don't know me. We'll probably never see each other again. And he opened up. He said, okay. He said, I was raised by my grandmother. And uh, I'm married now. I have kids of my own. And I was in an argument with my grandmother. And she started to slap me. And the slaps turned to punches. And she wouldn't stop punching me. And I finally lost my temper. And I hit her back. And I am devastated. That I lifted a hand in anger to my grandmother. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I did that. And, um, and it, so that caused you to drift away from God? I said, look, man. This guy isn't a friend, but I've met him. He used to be a hitman for the Mexican mafia. He killed people for a living. Today, he's a minister. Who would be forgiven more, him or you? He said, him. And God forgave him. You don't think he'll forgive you? Look, man, don't run from God. Run to God. Ask him to forgive you. Then go to your grandmother and do the same. And both, and both will forgive you. All right? And I went, wow. I want to pray for you so bad right now. He said, would you please? You see, the saints are hurting too. And not always the way you think. So he was hurting and he walked away from God because he was so embarrassed that he lifted a hand and anchored toward his grandmother that he didn't think God could forgive him. I don't know what his teaching is, where he goes to church. I didn't even ask where he went to church. All I'm thinking is somebody's not teaching this guy rightly. And I got to pray for him in a parking lot at an oil change place on a Monday morning. Because, and then, now watch this. Now I get home. So I pull out my little notebook to change the figures in it. And I looked at it again and went, whoa, I wasn't due for an oil change for another 1,000 miles. <laughs> Folks, this is called a divine appointment. 
God knows your stories. He knows your, your, listen to me, he knows your capabilities. He knows how you would talk. He knows what you're going to say. He'll know even if you're going to stumble and, and stutter and because you're not used to talking to people about things like that. He knows that. But listen, if it's a divine appointment, if they need to hear your story, you can't screw it up. You cannot screw it up. You can't make an error in it. I don't care how much you stutter and stammer. You can't screw up a divine appointment because God hooked you up with that person. Now, if he connected you with that person for that reason, for you to share that story, there's going to be fruit. Or at least the, the chances of it are huge. Otherwise, he wouldn't have put you together. So I'm going to conclude this message with this. We're going to pray and we're going to ask God for divine appointments. Now, remember I told you, these aren't strangers. Okay, this guy was a stranger. I didn't know him, but we were brothers in the Lord. So how's much, how strange were we? We were just past, hello, my name is this, and his name is Julio, okay? Mine's Ron, hi, I'm Julio. Okay, now we're no longer strangers, we're acquaintances, we're both brothers in the Lord. But I'm telling you, he'll connect you with people who are already in your life. You need to listen to their stories when you hear them talking about their problems, and all of a sudden, one of your stories come to mind. That's God connecting you for that divine appointment. Seize the opportunity. You have the ability right then and there to change somebody's future. Actually, changing their present, because if you change their present, you change the future, okay? And this is not back to the future. We're changing it for the first time, all right? So we're going to pray. I'm going to ask God for divine appointments for you and me, and then I just need you to stand in agreement with me. Is that okay? All right. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for this message that you gave me, and it's for your people. And it's for all of us, because not everybody can be a pastor. Not everybody can be a, a teacher. Not everybody can be an apostle or a prophet. But, Lord, you called all of us to touch people around us and be a blessing to those who are in need around us. So, Father, I'm asking you to send divine appointments across all of our paths, me included. And, Lord, that you would bring to mind the stories that would be the most impactful to that person to help them meet their need, whatever they're facing today, that we could pray together and push through to see that their needs met. Lord, it's not a long prayer, but it's an effective prayer. It needs to be effective in the lives of these people in this congregation. So, Lord, we ask you, we ask it in Jesus' name, and the saints stand in agreement by saying, Amen. Amen, Amen means, so be it, let it be according to your words. We prayed it. We agreed about it. Now watch how God comes up and he nudges you. He's not going to go, hey, buddy, this one here on your left. That's not the way it happens. But you get just this little nudge in your spirit, okay, that all of a sudden something catches your attention. That's it. Now, Pastor Rob and I have been talking about this. And, and so we're going to do something a little different, okay? We're turning this into, we're going to, count to see what happens. How many people you get to pray for outside the walls of this church, okay? So he, what Pastor Rob is going to do, and he'll give it to you when it happens, is that um, he'll set up an email account. And I don't know what it is, but hypothetically, let's call it uh, uh, 211 uh, Big Bear Christian Center, um, dot org. okay? So if you got a story, now listen to me, folks, you are not responsible for the answer to that prayer. The victory is you get to pray for somebody. Now it's God's responsibility. It's not your responsibility. It's God's responsibility to answer that prayer. All right? The victory is that you get to pray with anybody. All right? That's the victory. So here's what he's going to do. You got a, a cool story? 
just email it to him briefly and give him a contact number so he knows who to talk to. If it's a really cool story, he's going to ask you to share it with the congregation. Don't get intimidated, okay? You all know each other, all right? You live in a small community. You've been coming to church here. You all pretty much know each other. So get up here and share one of your stories really briefly, but tell your story. It's cool, all right? Now watch this. So what he's going to do, going to put a, a pan in the entryway with pennies in it and a jug that says people prayed for outside the church, all right? It can be inside the church too. It doesn't really matter. But the point is this. You you prayed to one person this week for something, take a penny, throw it in the jug. As everybody files in, throw the pennies in the jug. Then one of the ushers will count the pennies and write it down and add it to a year-to-date total. To how long he'll run this, we don't know. and He'll determine that, all right? So let's say, hypothetical, let's say it's three to six months and we keep adding this on top. So if you're a congregation, and I ran some figures on this, um, if you're a congregation of about 100 people, if half, and that half will change week to week depending on who gets the opportunities, pray with one person in a week and you throw that penny in the jug, in one year, this little congregation will have prayed for 2,600 people outside the four walls of these churches. But a year from now, you go, yeah, well, we didn't do that good. We only prayed for 1,300 only. That's 1,300 people whose lives could be changed because your story matters. Because now your story has become part of their story. All you have to do is share it. And once again, we're not even talking strangers. We're talking people that you already know, you're already in relationship with. Take those pennies, throw them in the jug, and watch how quickly this community, this church could be known as the church who prays for everybody, who will pray for anybody who has a need. And what a reputation to have that you're saying, we believe our God can meet this need. Can you do that? Will you do that? Okay? Watch what God does with you. Before I close, I want to do this. Salvation. If, you, if you're in this congregation to this morning, if you've never given life to G, your life to Jesus, do not waste another moment, not another day without him. All the stories that I'm telling you are real. They're true. They're endless. We all have hands in the air because we've seen what God has done. If you don't know Jesus, I'm not going to embarrass you, make you come up here. I'm not going to make you stand up and be an eyesore to everybody, you know. Oh, look, you know. But I will ask for a flash of hands because if I don't get a flash of a hand, then I'm not going to pray for salvation. It's that simple because there's nobody has a need, all right? So I'm going to ask first in this left side, is there anybody? Just flash a hand at me if you want prayer for salvation. No. Anybody in the middle? No. Anybody on the right side? No. That's good and that's bad. The good part is, praise God, you're all saved. The bad part is, you didn't bring anybody to church with you. See, I told you it was real. Maybe you ought to come to church and think, see what else he can do. There will be a time that you're going to, somebody will come back to you and that'll be your line. See, I told you it was real. Maybe you ought to come to church with me. Listen, one more thing, and I left this up here, but I didn't. These little lanyards that are out on the, on the table, I meant to include this in there. Here's the reason why we can even cart these around. We sell these for $2. Your $2 will not make or break our budget. We don't do this to make money. As a matter of fact, go online and look up these lanyards. You won't find them for less than 6 bucks. Okay? We're not trying to make a profit on it. We're just trying to get it in the hands of the saints. Why? Because look around you. 
when you now you know each other, but if you left this church and saw somebody like you outside this church, would you know they're a Christian? How would you know? If you're in trouble in your heart and you need somebody to talk to, who would you talk to? You don't know who the saints are. So somehow you got to let them know. Unless you're walking around with an eight-pound cross hanging around your neck, you're probably the one I wouldn't talk to either, all right, if you got an eight-pound cross around your neck. But the point is, somehow we got to let the world know who we are because we have something they need. So we came up with this lanyard idea. It can go around your neck. This could be work ID, school ID, bus pass, I don't know what. Um, it also could have your your house keys, car keys, it detaches for easy use. And the idea is that you can tuck it in your pocket, put your keys or whatever, but it, it's dangling out and it just says, I love Jesus. It's a subtle way to let the world know, I'm a believer. You got a need, I got an answer. And that's all the only reason that we cart these things around because we found out, oh my gosh, they work. People know who you are. Listen, you got a, you're on your third failed marriage uh, who are you going to go to? One of your buddies who's divorced four times for advice? Or do you go to somebody who might have a better way of doing it? You need wisdom. You don't want this one to crash and burn. You're going to talk to somebody who may have better answers. Who has a better answer? Jesus, because he invented marriage. All right? So that's the only reason that we have brought this up here. I'm going to close with this last statement. I heard, heard somebody say this. If Toyota wants to sell cars, the CEO doesn't give the pitch. Satisfied customers do a better job. We're the satisfied customers. Take your marvelous, incredible stories of what God's done in your life. Share it with anybody, everybody around you, because those stories can and will change lives. Thank you. God bless you. Wow. Um, I just love to hear, Ron. I do encourage you, the, the ABCs of evangelism. I've taken that class lots of times the resources. I'm sorry you didn't get to meet Judy this time, um, but uh, we're, we want to uh, encourage you to keep praying for the ministry. Again, you've got their newsletter, and what I'm going to ask is, is uh, Jim and maybe another us, just stand at the back today um, with a couple of extra bags, and as you leave today, if, if you could give into the ministry that's happening in Hollywood, that would be um, just awesome. Also see their, their book table, things like that, and take some bread home, but let's Let's pray for them and for uh, the ministry that they're doing. This is where Ron's got so many giftings. He shines in, in teaching like this, but they're also, again, working with kids and teens, and, and uh, it's pretty exciting. Uh, let's pray for them, and we'll dismiss. <sighs> Heavenly Father, I, th I thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the challenge, God, the encouragement and the challenge, Lord, to get outside of ourselves and share the story and the miracles and the things that you've done in, in, to us, for us, through us. God, that we would um, be w we willing and uh, challenged to share that with other people, looking for the opportunities that you would, by your Holy Spirit, uh, nudge us to do. God, I pray for the, the, the strength and the courage for everyone in here, that they would just begin to share their stories with those uh, that you bring into their path. God, we thank you for... Uh, the ministry Ron and Judy have been doing in Hollywood for nearly 40 years, and we pray that you continue to bless it. God, um, I've seen it firsthand, uh, countless lives being touched and saved, um, and, and lives change these young people. And so we pray, God, even as we would give, God, as we're even writing checks now, Father, giving into the offering, 
Father, I pray that you would just bless it and continue the ministry that they have been pouring their lives out, God, into. Uh, we thank you for uh, what you've done in us. Continue to work in us so that we can share our stories more. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You make all the checks just if you want to make it easy to BBCC. You can also give online and, and put other in, in Oasis, and we'll get everything that goes into the, to them uh, immediately. And, and make sure you fellowship with one another, and, and we'll see you soon. God bless you.